You're listening to Ottawa's Baseball Show. It's Around the Diamond with Diamond Dante and Mike Nellis on CKDJ 107.9, home of the Ottawa Champions. Game three of this weekday series. Martinez to Rizzo. Deep to right. Gone. Breaking ball. Hit to deep left field. That is gone. Salvador Perez has driven in five in the first five innings. Canacion, a dangerous guy. He's gone 10 for 29, 345 against Rick Porcello. And a high deep drive, and that one way down the line, hooking into the corner, and it is out of here. And Carnacion with his first blast of the season. Here is Edwin Encarnacion with Bautista off of first, and he swings and he drives it deep to left field. This ball is back, and it is in the front row of the monster seats for a home run. His second home run of the game. It is now 5-3. to three. Red Sox still leading, but Encarnacion with two hits. Two home runs and three runs batted in. Welcome to the April 23rd edition of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9. And guess what? For the second week in a row, we are very happy to welcome Corey Mess in studio. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent, sir. It's uh, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you again for having me. Love this show. Love being on it every week. And uh, yeah, excited to talk a little baseball. Talk to some members of the champions, maybe. Oh, ah, yeah, absolutely. And guess what? Looks like Mike Nellis is moving to the 15-day DL. Yeah, yeah, uh, moved to the 15-day DL. Injury was worse than we thought at first. Uh, we're hoping to get him working soon. Absolutely. And, and you know what, Corey? We have an awesome show planned as uh, we're going to lead off with Randy Hamrick. We spoke to him a couple weeks ago. We're going to play that interview for you coming up in our next segment. Then after that, we're going to have a nice talk with Mr. Calvin Rayburn, six foot eight pitcher that the champions just signed then after that, we're going to touch with touch base with Mr. Brian Erie. Him and Danny Grauer are going to be battling for that starting catching position with the champions coming this spring training. And then to finish off the show, we're going to talk about some recent champions moves and maybe a starting lineup. We're going to predict all of that coming up later in the show. But first, let's talk about the Toronto Blue Jays in Major League Baseball. The Blue Jays are now, um, you know, up and down 500, over 500, back down. Uh, Corey, what's your whole thought on on the Blue Jays season so far? Well, they've good, looked good the last week, and it, um, uh, really with the Jays right now, we talked about it last week. It was just about the bullpen being a little more consistent, but you have seen more consistency from them lately. And even some of the guys who started off not so well are uh, are, are pitching a little better now. Everything's a, a little worrisome. You saw in the Marathon Day game against uh, the Red Sox, Storin came in and yeah. he was able to get the save, although it was a scary, scary save. Um, but it, but it, I think there's a lot of that with the Jays right now. They they just they're they're trying to figure some things out. They're trying to figure out their best lineup. We saw Pilar get moved in the lineup. I like that. I I did like it. Pilar is just not hitting the ball well enough to um uh, to to lead off right now. But then I thought it was funny they put Saunders in the leadoff role and then he That's went over four. <laughs> yeah. But but I I do like it. Saunders has been a little more consistent at the plate. He seems to be seeing the ball a little well. The the one big problem I have with the Jays and and you hear Greg. On talk about it constantly, so I, I feel bad parroting him a bit. But I, I mean, they they just seem like they're guessing at the plate, like they're trying to hit home runs every time they're there, and and uh, strikeouts are up around all of baseball this year, and 
you know what? People should be learning. Like when you look at what the Kansas City Royals do and how they won last year, yes, they, they hit home runs, but they do it by getting guys on base and putting up big numbers. And you have to be able to get on base. And right now, the Jays just aren't consistent enough with that. Absolutely. And you know what? It, going back to moving Pilar to the bottom part of the order it is, is really good as far as I'm concerned. Because... He, Takes a little bit more pressure off him. Yes. In his first game, he went three for four. Oh, and, and huge for him, right? Yes. Really nice for him. He can go in the field, play his defense, do his thing in the outfield, kind of be that guy to kind of spark his team defensively and offensively at the bottom part of the lineup. Well, and with the defense he provides, he's an easy guy to put in the lineup every day. And I think he surprised a lot of people with how good he was at the plate last year. Yeah. What did he hit? 15 home runs last year? He hit uh, 12 home runs and a 278 average. And, and so I think that was better than a lot of people thought. But he does need to be a little, a little more patient at the plate. He does like to swing the ball. Let's probably swing the bat. That's what probably He's why aggressive he got, hitter. Probably why he got so many home runs last year. But um, I, I still think that um, I still for for such a small guy like him, it's impressive that he he did put up those power numbers. But at the same time, like you said, it takes a lot of pressure off him hitting number eight in the lineup, um, and and it just gives maybe the lineup a little more balance when you put that lefty uh, leading off. Well, you know, it, it, the one thing with with Saunders, you said balance. He's gonna he's a lefty leading off. He's let off before. He was one of the leadoff guys with the Mariners for mm-hmm. about uh, about two three years until he got injured. And absolutely. And we're gonna move away from the Jays as they are the craze. We can talk all day about them. We're gonna go to the Chicago Cubs, who we touched on last week as Kyle Schwarber went down with a very tough injury. A lot of people were counting the Cubs out, but. Still putting up good numbers. What do you like from that team so far? Well, you talk about the injury to Kyle Schwarber, and yes, that was a big deal. But like we talked about last week, I mean, the reason Kyle Schwarber was in left field was because this is a very deep team. And yeah. so I don't think it'll be too much of a problem for for them to replace him um, uh, since he's gone down. Uh, well, they're 8-10 they're and 10 in their last uh, Eight and two in their last ten, mm-hmm. so they they've played tremendous over the last little while. And you know what's interesting to me, Dante, is that you have a team like the Cubs, who uh, I think they probably had the most expectations on them compared to any team in baseball at the beginning of the year, and and they've lived up to that expectation. Then you honestly don't see that a lot. Um, I know a couple of years ago you saw everyone was super high on the Mariners. Uh, last year everyone was, or, or uh, uh, three years ago when the Jays made their trade with Miami, everyone was super high on them then. So, I mean, you get these teams, they get so much hype in the offseason, and then they get off to a slow start. But this Chicago Cubs team actually looks amazing. They look they look very good. And, um, and already, uh, that's a very good division, though, with Pittsburgh and St. Louis, Cincinnati is pitching well. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they react to that. But at the same time, they, they've started off unbelievably. I, they, they've had a they've done a great job. Dexter Fowler's leading off. Jason Hayward can go in that two spot. And they could also, what I really like about this is how Jorge Soler from Cuba can mm-hmm. come in and hit in that eighth hole with a lot of power, adds good defense oh. with a very strong arm in left field. And, and I mean, you, you look at that outfield still, and I, I think it, the idea was to have maybe Schwarber and Solaire to platoon. And what, what a combination of platoon, but now... Right, Righty-lefty, right? Exactly. Uh, but now you have... Uh, uh, you'll pretty much play Solaire, I think, most days now. Uh, and, and we talked about it a bit last week, too, how they might regret trading away Chris Coughlin a bit. 
But at the same time, well, I think they'd really need to make room for a guy like Javier Baez, who they who they play absolutely. in the outfield, right? He yeah. has a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely, and and you want to get get that guy a little more room, just so to get him a few more at bats. Again, like Kevin Pillar, a super super uh, aggressive, um, uh, aggressive player, but. Um, maybe a little too aggressive right now. A lot of strikeouts for uh, for him. Um, so we'll see what happens with their outfield. We've seen Ben Zobrist in the outfield at times too. So I don't think they're too worried about things. And, and another big story coming out of Major League Baseball is how well the Philadelphia Phillies pitching has pitched so far this season. Mm-hmm. They have a, a pretty good record at this point. And one of those guys is Velasquez, Vince Velasquez, who they acquired for Ken Giles hard-throwing closer for the Houston Astros. Well, he's the setup man, but he was the closer with the Phillies, and Velasquez has put up two starts with 15 Ks. And and he's only 22 years old. He's pitching excellent at this point with that good fastball and slider. Well, and, and uh, eventually the, the Phillies were going to have to be good, right? Like, I, I think it, it's really promising that their pitching's good, and they actually have a pretty decent bullpen. Um, uh, but I think the, the, the middle of their lineup is a little worrisome. Uh, uh, not even the middle of their lineup, their lineup in general. The fact that Ryan Howard's even still playing Major League Baseball is a surprise to me. But, um, uh, but I, I mean... Hey, he played in Ottawa. Really, the only the only thing that I think is exciting for the Phillies lineup right now is someone like Mikel Franco. Uh, uh, Adubo Herrera's, I think, pretty, He's pretty good as too. well. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I'm also a fan of Cody Ashey, although not as... Uh, other people aren't as high as him as I am, but... Besides that, it's a it, the the Phillies. They did roster, a good job to sell, though, right? Oh, absolutely, and they they had to, right? But um, but it's still not together for the Philadelphia Phillies. Maybe their pitchers keep them around for a while, and you know what? In a bad division like the NL East is right now, they'll be they'll be pretty good. But both Miami and and even worse Atlanta have got off into bad starts. And so, yeah, that, that, that puts Philly in a pretty good spot here early in the year. That makes me sad to hear about Miami, the whole thing. But Again. here's a fun stat about Velasquez. Since 1900, when the Phillies first got their team, Vince Velasquez has had the second most strikeouts out of any Philadelphia Phillies pitcher in a shutout all time. That's Roy Halladay had a perfect game. Mm-hmm. Cliff Lee, you're looking at Cole Hamels had a couple no hitters. So it's a big, it's a big achievement for him, especially at that young age. Well, and you look at some of the other guys in the lineup too. I think they're 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 starting pitcher. I I like Jeremy Hellickson too. Aaron Nola's pretty good, and Charlie Morton's pretty good. So not bad. Those four guys together, you know, you you project those four guys maybe two or three years down the line. That's a pretty nice starting group. So I don't think they're too worried, but um, uh, they, they still got a lot to do. Here's one guy in their minor league system, J.P. Arancibia. How about him? Uh, I don't know. He's J.P. Arancibia. <laughs> well, you don't think he can turn it around? He's got I, to, power. To, to be honest, I mean, he's had power since he played for the Blue Jays, but if if you can't hit the ball, I don't think there's there's really much place to go from there. I I don't want to be like super mean to um, uh, to JP and C, but I just don't see really a place for him on the um, on the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah. Like, like I like both their catchers. Cameron Rupp's a good young catcher who's pretty much their starter, and Carlos Ruiz is a like a tremendous defensive veteran. They also have Darren Ruff, his brother. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah, he plays first base uh, sometimes. Uh, Cameron Rupp and Darren Ruff. Okay, there brothers. you go. Are not brothers. They're not. <laughs> they are not brothers. <laughs> what? It's not even spelled the same, bud. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, 
that, <laughs> with that, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, you know, just throw that out there. I'm pretty sure they're related or something. <laughs> <laughs> Philadelphia Phillies baseball. And uh, yeah, with that MLV talk, that's going to wrap things up for this segment. We're going to take a quick break. Coming back, we're going to touch on a, uh, we're actually going to go back to an interview that Mike Nellis and I had with Mr. Randy Hamrick. That's all here on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. It's Diamond Don to hear with Mr. Mike Nellis. We got a special guest joining us here from the Ottawa Champions. Starting pitcher looks like he's going to move into the starting rotation this year, Mr. Randy Hamrick. How you doing? How are you guys? How's everybody doing? Very, very good. Thanks for asking. Oh, well, so um, <laughs> let, just to give the listener a little background check, of course, coming coming into uh, the Ottawa Champions Can-Am League, this is, uh, you were drafted by the Arizona Diamondbacks in the 19th round in the 2009 MLB Amateur Draft. Uh, you spent quite a bit of time with the Diamondbacks uh, for some time. How was your time there, and uh, what was it like to get drafted? How did everything come apart? Uh, it was, it was cool. I, uh, you know, I, I was drafted out of my last year of college baseball and, um, uh, my coach Boo Mullins was the coach, uh, at Bruton Parker where I was drafted out of, and he did a really good job of getting me exposure and stuff like that. And I was able to finally get drafted after, you know, a long wait. Uh, it was, it was an exciting thing. Cause my dad, my dad was drafted by the Dodgers and, uh, I think I believe it was 1983, so it was, a, it was an experience for him to see his son get drafted, and um, you know I, I really enjoyed my time with the Diamondbacks. You know I'm just continuing my my career because I feel like I still have some left. And uh, you took three years off from professional baseball uh, from 2011 to 2014 before uh, joining Amarillo uh, for that 2014 season. What brought you back to uh, what brought you back to professional baseball? Um, well, I, I had went back, the reason I had, uh, I got released for the Diamondbacks, and when I got released by the Diamondbacks, I kind of felt like, uh, you know, maybe I should get my schooling finished. Um, so I went back to school for a little bit, and then I kind of realized how much I missed the, the game, and I knew that I was, you know, good enough to continue playing. So I got a, a, a degree once I finished it. I went to a tryout, and uh, Nick Belmonte uh, oh actually, my! We've uh, heard that talking, name before. I in through for him. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so he uh, he was the one that kind of got me going, and um, I I signed with Amarillo. Uh, I played with them a full season, and then in the off season, I went to one of Nick's camps, and that's actually the first time Hal saw me. Okay. The manager here, and uh, he got a chance to see me, and he actually wanted me a year ago, but uh, they wouldn't. It didn't work out, but um. I'm glad to be here now. I'm excited to get a, a starting job. Yeah, Hal has always said that uh, that he uses those uh, Nick Belmonte camps uh, very, very rigorously during the year to get pick, uh, to pick players up. <laughs> and uh, in 2011, I'm just looking at your uh, your baseball reference page here, Randy, and it mentions that you did spend some time 
in the Pacific Coast League with uh, Reno and the Aces. Uh, what was that like playing at uh, the top minor league level? Uh, that was an experience. That was real, that was a lot of fun, uh, especially playing with guys who have, have been in the major leagues for for a time, and and uh, you know we're either rehabbing or, or whatever. And uh, I got to know a few people that you know that might pique some interest to other people. I played with uh, JJ Putz, uh, Willie Mopena, nice, <laughs> and uh, and uh, Colin Calgill actually played. Oh wow! Played with me as well. Yeah. Colin Calgill, he's pretty good. Um, so, uh, so yeah. I'm going to ask you straight up. Like you said, you played with a couple good big le- big leaguers uh, uh, across the board in the Arizona Diamondback system, and of course Willie Mopena at the end of his career before he went on to the Dominican Republic and run some some camps. <laughs> Sorry about that. So, uh, what was it like to play with a guy with with such big pop and with so much big league experience? Um, it was actually pretty funny because he was probably one of the most animated people on the team. You know, he always had a great time, uh, good or bad. Um, it was real cool. Uh, William Mopena was actually one of the the lighter guys in the in the clubhouse, always smiling, always having a good time. And uh, one thing I do remember from him is uh, the the day I got sent down, sent back down from AAA. It was the first day we reached uh, Las Vegas area, playing the 51. Ooh. And I got there that day, and I think it was right at about noon. I got a call and said they're sending me down that that I would I wouldn't get a chance to spend my first night ever in Vegas, you know. So I was disappointed, kind of, of course. Bit and right, and then uh, I get to the clubhouse and because I'm I'm going to get the bus to take me to the airport and stuff. And Willie Mo finds out and he's telling every telling everybody, hey, just leave him here an extra day, you know. He'll I'll pay for it. He can have a good time or whatever. Of course, joking around, but that was that's kind of how he was. Wow, I like that. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a great guy. I mean, it's, I guess it sounds like I've never met him, but uh, I mean, he spoke good English or what was it like? I mean, he must have been like you know, like a Dominicana, you know, nice yeah, haircut. He had, he had a little, he had a little accent, but he had, he spoke good English, and uh, you know, he was just a funny guy. I mean, they all were. They were really welcoming uh, when I first got called up there, and uh, you know, I played there with him for a little bit, and you know, made some good friends. Yeah, it must have been a great time playing with some of the some of the, the better players, and you spent a lot of time in the Arizona Diamondbacks system, and and had some some good numbers across the board, uh, up and down towards the uh, later part in uh, in AAA. Your numbers were were pretty good at two twenty five ERA down there, which is a, a splendid. But uh, I mean, now that you're coming into the champions, you're considered a veteran at twenty nine years old and having so much experience on your on your belt. How are you going to try to to lead this team from the pitching side of things? Well, um, being a, the last two seasons being a closer in Amarillo, I felt uh, I felt pretty confident in myself. Those last that last inning, you know, finishing a game out and uh, did a good job there. And you know, we we had a, a veteran, kind of a veteran team there, so it, there was less pressure on me myself. Um, coming here into Ottawa, I'm not real sure. I haven't really looked at age and and you know and experience and stuff like that. But I'm always I'm always willing to to lend a you know to lend an ear or or help in any way I can to, to better a, the team. And I'm actually excited to be a starter now because it puts me back into where I was when I was younger, you know, starting games and managing a game and understanding all that. So uh, I actually look forward to the challenge to, to get back to that. Because you're an older player uh, and you've been in the affiliated system for a while, or at least you were, you were, you know, at a, at a higher level of that system in AAA. Do you feel like you're in a position to, uh, you know, almost mentor younger players that are just coming into the professional ranks from college and, and that kind of thing? Uh, absolutely. I, uh, I actually use that um, at times when I'm back home with the high school kids, okay. um, just to give them a little bit of, 
you know, just a, just a little bit of what they, what to expect, you know, either in college or if they do get drafted out of high school. Uh, just it's kind of more an understanding of how you're going to have to handle yourself once you get past high school, what you're what's expected of you. And then, uh, you know, out on the field, that, that just that just comes with with repetition and and, uh, you know, learning from your mistakes, which is probably one of the biggest things. Uh, the other thing, too, is uh, after spending those two years, um, two, three years, actually, in uh, in the Arizona Diamondback system, you then moved uh, back into the Indies after. Were there any huge differences or not even big differences, but just kind of like stark ones that uh, you noticed between the affiliated system and the independent system? Uh, you know, like what's different about the baseball in the Indie Leagues against uh, or not against, but uh, compared to? Uh, affiliated ball. Um, I would just say that the, in affiliated, there's there's more. Uh, I guess you could say they're more in control. The uh, the organization itself is more in control of of everything. Uh, the guys in the independent ball have already been through the ringer. You know, we if you haven't got drafted, you played college ball. You've been trying your your best to get to where you're at in any ball, and uh, it's just a little bit more. I don't want to call it lackadaisical, but it's not as intense as like a spring training would be. It's kind of, you know, get yourself ready and come play rather than you're going to come here for a month of spring training and we're going to get you ready and then you're going to go play. Kind of, that's kind of the main thing I noticed of all. <laughs> Absolutely. So we look forward to seeing you uh, this season, Randy. And uh, uh, I guess spring training starts uh, May 9th, Mike? About that, May 9th. So uh, we'll, we'll see you then uh, around the diamond. We'll, uh, we'll be uh, checking you out. Cool. Dante and Mike, it was a pleasure. That was Ottawa Champions right-handed pitcher Randy Hamrick. We appreciate him coming on the show. But coming up next, we're going to be joined with six foot eight starting pitcher for the or sorry, relief pitcher with the Ottawa Champions, Calvin Rayburn. They signed him out of the Philadelphia Phillies organization. That's all still to come on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 1079. Welcome back to Run the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Let's get to the phone lines like every single week and get to know your Ottawa Champions roster. Today, we're going to get to know Ottawa Champions' new signee, Calvin Rayburn, who is eight, a pitcher out of the Philadelphia Phillies organization. And uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Glad to be here talking to you guys. Uh, it's a sunny day here down in Miami. Perfect. And, and you know... Calvin, I, I mean, I, I got to ask you, how are you going to cope with the Canadian weather when you're coming down here? Because it's, it's not going to be as warm as what you're used to. You, you know, I, I've been thinking about it, and I spent most of last year in Loewe with New Jersey uh, for the Phillies, and it was 19 to 30 degrees the entire first couple months of that season. So, you know, I, I, think, I think I'll be well enough prepared. I'll remember to pack warm and all that. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, that sounds great. And, and now, Calvin, i got to ask you, you were drafted by the Phillies just two years ago, so it's still fresh in your head. Uh, can you tell us about that whole experience and where were you and what your whole reaction was like? 
Oh, man, uh, the getting drafted. Well, it's funny. I, I only met the scout for Philadelphia once, and it was for about 20 seconds, and never ever actually talked to him again until he called me that day. Um, but I was actually I was out golfing with my dad, and uh, I was just I decided to get away from it all and not think about it and sit and watch the whole thing. I was just like, you know what? If it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. And sure enough, we're out there and playing golf. And my phone rings, and hey, this guy from Philly called me. He's like, hey, you're you're a Philly now. And I was like, all right, well, this is this is the first step. So it was, it was very it was very surreal looking back at it um, to get drafted by a team that I hadn't really spoken to before. Now, uh, Calvin, the pride of Archbishop Curley High School in uh, in Miami, Florida, the uh, uh, you played at at Barry University, a really small school, only about three thousand people, maybe a little more than that. Can you maybe talk about your your experiences playing for the uh, the Buccaneers and maybe what you learned down there? Oh, I learned just about everything when it comes to pitching at Barry. Uh, my pitching coach taught me everything I know. Um, I was really raw coming out of high school. I was a walk-on. I was actually a four-year walk-on. Uh, and, you know, I was, I was just, I was really just throwing the ball. You know, I wasn't really pitching yet. And my pitching coach, Alex, taught me everything that I needed to know. And he pushed me in the right direction. I worked my butt off and that got me to where I am right now. So in your in your time at Barry, you went from a, a walk on to a sixteenth round MLB draft pick in in two seasons at Barry. At least that's what I'm seeing here. So what? Um, wh- how did you improve over those two seasons to get you uh, to get you noticed? What did you improve? I should ask. Well, I found I found my natural arm slot. I was um, I was over the top out of high school. I dropped down to almost almost a submarine angle and wasn't happy with either one. So I found I kind of found my middle ground, like where I'd throw the ball if I was playing shortstop, and I ended up getting oh. that and and working on it and perfecting it. And I worked on my lower half. I was really weak in the legs coming into college, and I fixed that, got stronger, and it, sure enough, it started translating. You know, and it's I mean. Coming from a guy that never really dreamed of playing college ball to getting as far as I have, it just it really just takes a mindset and a good work ethic. Now that you talk, now that you do talk about how you throw, uh, can you make can you maybe walk us through your pitches, what they do, and how fast you throw? Yeah, uh, I throw just below so, sidearm, so I'm a little bit underneath that. Uh, I throw both fastballs, four seam and two seam. Uh, I've got a slider and a changeup, and I've topped out from there at 94. <laughs> um, in the past, and so I mean, it's it'll it'll get up there and move. Uh, oh, I just got to be able to spot up, and that's what I've been working on and getting a lot better at. This is this is like music to our ears because you know we've interviewed a lot of pitchers on this show that have been with the Ottawa Champions or other pitchers in this league that only top out at maybe 89, 90 miles an hour. So it's very it's very nice to see that that you have a, a live arm, and and that could benefit you in the Can Am League because there's not too many pitchers that do throw that fast. Right, you know, honestly, like I, I've, in my experience, I've heard, I've learned that velocity will help. It, it, it sure, it sure as hell does help, and it gets you in the door. But if you can't throw strikes, you know, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna swim. You're gonna sink in most of these leagues. You know, the guys might not be throwing ninety, ninety two, but um, you know, if they throw strikes and they spot up with different pitches, they're gonna be just as confusing as guys that throw hard. Um, now, Calvin, talk about um, your strengths when you're pitching, uh, because you know you look at your numbers in in college and uh, and in uh, in a ball, and it seems like uh, you know you have good numbers, uh, your your strikeout numbers, your walk numbers. But what really impresses me is how many hits you allow, because you you don't allow a lot of hits. So, do you consider that maybe your your strength is that you keep guys off base? 
Uh, absolutely. You know, uh, in my experience coming out of Barry, I was a guy that came out of the pen, would come into bad situations, and I'd have to get out of it. And, you know, you you never, ever want to be that guy that gives up runs, especially other guys on your team's runs. Um, so I prided myself on being able to get out quickly and on the ground. You know, I, I give up a lot of ground balls, um, and not a lot of the time do those get through. Uh, but at the same time, you're right. My my hit my batting average against is not very good for hitters. You know, it's very low. Um, and I've prided myself on being a guy that induces early contact. Uh, I just got to work on the walks. The walks my last year with uh, Lakewood in New Jersey was a problem, and I was going to learn in a new arm slot because they raised me back up, and I wasn't comfortable with it yet. But now that I'm back in my in my comfort zone, uh, that shouldn't be an issue at all. I should be back to my normal self. And just to give the listeners more of a uh, to to kind of understand what kind of pitcher you are and what and what you are, I, I want to kind of go to uh, to a major league pitcher here, Chris Young, who's six foot ten and he throws about 88, 89 miles an hour, and and it looks a lot harder because he's throwing from over the top. You did say that you kind of are in the middle of there. Would you see yourself? as one of those guys, or did you kind of watch like a guy like Randy Johnson who just threw all out with the slider like you mentioned before? Uh, you know, I, I've, I've become an adamant believer in practicing as you play, and if I'm going to throw max effort in a game, I might as well throw max effort at practice so I'm used to it. Uh, so, yeah, I am a max effort guy, but at the same time, I, I understand the idea that it doesn't really matter if you're, you're going all out if you're not hitting your spot. You know, I like to spot up. I like to throw strikes, loan the zone. But at the same time, I love letting it lose, too. Yeah, and, and also, I want to talk about that two-seam pitch of yours. Is it more like, I don't know, Aaron Sanchez, a, a pitcher with the Toronto Blue Jays, has an amazing two-seam. So does Marcus Stroman. Would you say that it kind of tails in to the right-handed batter, uh, to, oh, to the right-handed yeah. side a, a lot? <laughs> Oh, it, it, I, my bread and butter is the, the sinker down and in. Nice. It'll saw a guy off if he's a righty, and it'll <laughs> it, or he'll either ground out the third base, one of the two. So the, it's, it's, that's that's my strong point right there is throwing that fastball in. So the question is, I got to be watching out for those bats flying around. They might be sawing off. Oh, you, yes, you might. Uh, you might have to, especially <laughs> in that cold weather too. <laughs> That, that hurts the hands. Now, um, coming into the season this year, uh, you talk about trying to improve your walk ratio, and and um, we got a chance to see the the pitching coach for the Ottawa Champions, Billy Horn, this year or last year, I should say. He he did a lot of good work with guys. Have you had a chance to maybe talk to him about what your goals are for for this year and what you guys plan to work on? You know, I, I did. I actually, in fact, he was the guy that watched my tryout before nice. um, I awesome. ended up signing with you guys. He came down and watched me throw at school here. Um, Bill is great. And he really, he really liked to liked what he saw. And Philadelphia thought um, that it would probably be a good idea to move my arm up just for the the health of my elbow, okay. which I didn't buy for a second. Um, but once I moved up, my my command wasn't as good as it used to be, and I was missing by a quarter of an inch here, a quarter of an inch there. And, you know, one thing led to another, and then my walk-to-strikeout ratio is like one-to-one, and it was terrible. Yeah. But that, so that's really the one thing I want to focus on is just um, – getting rid of the ball early, get, inducing early contact and throwing strike. And so we get the answer a lot from guys that, um, that you know, they go in this year and, and we ask them what their goals are going into the year. And, and, you know, we get the answer from a lot of dudes. You know, they're just trying to, um, uh, they're just trying to help the team win, everything like that. But this is a developmental league and you are looking to kind of go forward. So what what's kind of the next step for you after this season? Uh, I mean, I mean, honestly, we're all trying to get looked at. You know, we're all trying yeah. to get signed by another team. You know, me, I 
got let go by Philadelphia. Um, I've thrown for a couple teams since then that have shown interest in all that. And this is just this is just another step in that journey. You know, you can't you can't treat this any less or any more than the next day. You know, it's, you just got to go out there and do your job. I'm just trying to get better. I'm just fine. I'm trying to play another day of baseball. Yeah. Sounds good. And you know what? Those are some amazing comments. And uh, that pretty much wraps it up here, Mr. Calvin. Uh, we look forward to seeing you in spring training. When are you going to be making the trip down here? Uh, they told me i got to be there for the physicals on the 7th. So I'm thinking I might leave maybe a week or so early and make a road trip out of it, go and see some people, and then work my way up to Canada. Oh, that's awesome, man. So it's going to be it's gonna be nice. But it, you know, I don't know how many days it's going to take you. But uh, I hope you have a good time doing that. It's a real pleasure talking to you. I appreciate it. Same likewise, guys. Pleasure talking. Thank you uh, so much for yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you when you get up here. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Have a great afternoon. That was Ottawa Champions right-handed pitcher Calvin Rayburn. Coming up next, we're going to be joined with Mr. Brian Erie, catcher for the Ottawa Champions. That's all here on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. You're listening to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9, home of the Ottawa Champions. And with the season just out of the way, there's so many different moves coming our way. But with that being said, we're going to welcome Ottawa Champions new signee catcher Brian Erie to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing awesome. And I got to ask you are, you, are you prepared for the Canadian weather? It looks pretty nice. We're looking at 26 degrees here at this point. But uh, what's a, where are you... Where are you located, brother? Um, I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. That's where I'm at right now. Um, I just got back from playing winter ball in Australia, though, so uh, a little bit warmer over there than it is up there right now, but uh, Canada's gorgeous in the summertime, so <laughs> looking yeah, forward to that. For sure, and I'm going to ask you, have you ever played in, in Canada at all, uh, you know, just exhibition games or anything like that? Uh, yes, I've actually been up there. i played in uh, London. Oh, and nice. Trois-Rivières and uh, Winnipeg the last couple of years. So the Gold Dogs, right? Yeah, yeah. It must have been a treat to play against them. But I just want to to start things off. I got to ask you. Uh, I just you spent a, a good amount of your time with the University of Northern Kentucky, uh, Brian. I just want to ask. I talked to you about your time there and how they helped you get to this point in your in your career. Uh, you know what? That was a that was a good part of my career. Um, Northern Kentucky is very known for breeding catchers, and my coach, Todd Aslan, who's still there now, yeah, he's had a good track record with catchers. He was a catcher himself at Northern Kentucky, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I learned, learned a lot from him, learned a lot, and, you know, he really pointed me in the right direction and showed me how to play the game the right way. And I guess coming out of high school, um, were you always considered yourself as a catcher, or did you pitch a little bit, and maybe coming into university, uh, where did you kind of find yourself and see yourself as a catcher down the road? Um, yeah, growing up, um, growing up, played all kinds of positions, pitched in high school a little bit, but, um, once I got to college, you know, you kind of make that, I kind of made that decision, you know, this is my spot, this is where I want to be, and this is where my future would, would be, so, uh, it was a pretty easy decision for me at that point. And you mentioned, uh, once you got to university that there was someone there that really did help you a lot. Who was that gentleman that, uh, helped you get to this point at least? Oh, Wow. <laughs> I don't think there's just one um, entirely, um, but you know, like I said, my head coach Todd Aslan, he was a big inspiration, and our pitching coach Dizzy Payton, 
who I'm actually still good friends with to this day. Um, both of them, you know, through rough times, good times, you know, both of them are there and that I still call them friends and I can call them and talk to them about anything I need to today. Oh, that's awesome, man. And, 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 uh, I just got to ask you, Brian, now that you're pretty much an independent league, uh, veteran, uh, at this point in your career, uh, you had some great numbers in the frontier league and the American association, two of the premier independent leagues in baseball. Now that you're 26 years old and have lots of experience, how are you going to bring that experience to a very young team in the Ottawa champions and especially maybe behind the plate? Well, <laughs> that is a very good question. Um, you know what? Um, as I have been older and I've played a few more games, um, I've learned that with, with younger guys, you know, it's not, um, it's not always about the abilities, you know, and the most guys need to develop mentally, especially on the mound. You know, they all, a lot of guys have good stuff, a lot of young arms, especially in independent ball, but they don't really have that feel for how to pitch and how to go about things. You know, playing with as many veteran guys and guys who have been in the big leagues, you know, made it to the highest level and picking their brain and learning the game and learning to do things the right way. Uh, you know, I feel I can bring that and I can to the champions. And I think that, you know, I can help some of these younger guys along and, you know, I'm going to learn a few things myself, I'm sure. Uh, and staying on, on being a catcher, what would you say your biggest strength is? Well, I like, I prepare, I prepare for games. Um, I like to get there early. I like to read my scouting reports and I take my notes and I always try to be the most prepared person on the field. And, you know, and I think when it comes down to it, that's probably my biggest strength, no matter what the numbers are. And, you know, <laughs> so mostly games between the years, right? Yeah. And for sure, Brian, I got to ask you, maybe who is that one catcher that you always kind of grew up watching and looked and looked up to, especially maybe defensively or offensively as well? Well, I have two, um, my big idol growing up was Mike Piazza. He nice. Was, I'm not quite the hitting catcher he was, but um, yeah, he did things young early on in his career defensively that were outstanding. And and then you have guys now like Yadier Molina and you know Salvador Perez. I spent the last two seasons in Kansas City watching him play. So uh, mm-hmm. you know guys that they do it the right way, you know, and and they're very good. So anytime I can watch and try to take a couple lessons from them, I try to do it. <laughs> And of course, Brian, just to the average fan, people don't really understand how valuable that catching position is and, and how you have to lead the whole pitching staff and how actually most managers nowadays are catchers. You look at Joe Girardi and even Mike Sosha, they were catchers and they're probably one of the best managers in the league at this point. What would you say the most important part about being a catcher is? Uh, well, knowing, knowing your pitching staff, knowing how to handle the pitching staff and knowing what their strengths are and, and what they do. Um, to excel, you know, and how we can build on that and, and keep them excelling, keep them making progress, and, you know, hopefully independent ball leads to bigger and better things for everybody. So that's that's my goal, to keep everybody moving ahead, myself included, and, you know, just trying to get better every year. That's Brian Erie, Ottawa Champions uh, catcher, uh, new signee. And, of course, Brian, i got to ask you, what's your whole mentality coming into a, even a new country? Of course, you did mention off mic that you did play in Winnipeg and even Trois Rivier uh, just on road trips. But i got to ask you, what's your mentality coming into a new country? Well, I'm looking forward to it. Um, new people, new scene. I, I love Canada. It's gorgeous up there. The people have always been nice anytime I've been there. Um, I'm looking forward to experiencing the culture, you know, way, the way people live their lives and especially especially the baseball culture too. So I'm looking, looking forward to everything up there.
And of course, you know your manager, Hal Lanier, brought you in for uh, a little more of a veteran presence behind the plate, but he also did sign another catcher in Danny Grauer, who has a little bit more pop and maybe have a little bit more defense. What's your home mentality coming into camp and going into a battle for that starting position? Well, it's the same the same mentality every year. I'm going to go and I'm going to try my best and you know, hopefully on the other side of spring training, I come out with the starting spot and you know, I can do my best and give anything to the team that I can that I can give. And Brian Neary, of course, finally I got to ask you, what are what are maybe one piece or of advice or a couple pieces of advice that you would give to maybe a young Canadian catcher listening? Of course, I know a couple of friends of mine that do play catcher for uh, Team Canada Little League, and and you know they're working on kind of pitch framing and, and throwing runners out and and not as much hitting. I was actually playing with one of them this weekend, and he hit one out of the ballpark in about it was 320 feet. It was straight center field and went almost out to the train tracks. We were playing in a little diamond near train tracks. It was it was really fun, but uh, what's your main piece of advice to maybe some young catchers listening? Be a student of the game. Never, never stop learning. Anytime there's baseball on, and you can watch and you can see how the guys at the highest level play the position that you play. Watch and see what they're doing because guys are there for a reason. And um, you know, baseball is a game where it'll throw something new at you every day you go out there. So you always have to learn. You always have to adapt, and you know, just try to try to take in everything you can. All right, and that pretty much wraps it up, Brian. Thank you so much for joining us here on Around the Diamond, and we really look forward to seeing you this season. It was a pleasure. All right, great. Thanks for having me. That was Ottawa Champions' new signee catcher, Brian Erie. It was an awesome talk with him. But coming up next, Corey and I are going to touch on some key transactions that the champions have made, and then we're going to kind of go through their pitching staff and their projected lineup that's all here on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. We just had Brian Erion from the Ottawa Champions. He did a great job, and we wish him all the best coming up this spring training. And now, Corey, I am super excited to go through the Ottawa Champions lineup and a couple transactions that they've made. Corey, before we get into that, uh, what are some of the biggest moves that the Champions have way, uh, made since last week? Yeah, it's my, it's my weekly uh, Champions transaction roundup. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm not sure if we talked about this last week. We might have uh, we might have quickly mentioned this, but uh, Champions uh, closing pitcher from last year, Alan Durat, retired. Uh, I think Hal talked about that last week, and so that's, a, that's tough for the Champions. It's going to be tough replacing him. He had 26 saves last season. That was second in the Can-Am League. He was, he was absolutely dynamite. Uh, throughout the whole season, and one of the reasons the champions were able to get a lot of wins uh, uh, last year as an expansion team. And so replacing him is going to be tough. But one of the guys who's going to have an opportunity to do that is um, is righty Tyler Wilson, yeah. who the champions uh, um, signed very early in the season last six year. Six foot six. Yeah, he looks good. Yeah, Tyler Wilson was tremendous last year. Um, uh, he started the season last year with the Sussex County Miners, and he actually 
pitched against the champions. He was the starting pitcher against the champions in their first ever game. Um, uh, and the champions got to him bad. If you look at his numbers for the um, uh, for the um, uh, the minors last year, he actually didn't have great numbers. And a lot of that had to do with the Ottawa champions who got to him in that first game. But pitching coach Billy Horn saw something in Tyler Wilson and um, and and the champions ended up drafting uh, or, or signing him about a week later. The Miners released him very early. The champions brought him in, and it was never really the champions' idea to use him as a starter. They wanted him as a long reliever, but he he started the season um, absolutely tremendously. Uh, um, I don't think he gave up a run for the first maybe month he played for the champions. Um, had a great ERA last year, was very good, and I think he's going to have an inside shot at that, at that closer's job this year. He has that kind of stuff. Average, oh, yeah. Average over a strikeout per inning um, uh, almost two strikeouts an inning he's that kind of player and so I'm excited uh, to see Tyler Wilson and if he's not the closer next year I I expect him to be one of the setup man because that's the role he fell into so I think that's a wonderful re-signing for the champions they also sign another pitcher Kevin Perez um, who was part of the um, Washington National System in 2015 um, uh, was drafted in the 17th round by the Kansas City Royals has mostly relieved for the last uh, for his Washington Nationals career had two starts last year four starts the year before um, so he's been mostly a reliever uh, but he's had pretty good success um, uh, last year or, or I should say yeah last year he's still in, young too last year in a ball a 320 uh, 22 ERA in 17 games so I think he really showed well there um, and, and I think that uh, that Halloneer is excited to have him on the team um, and Halloneer has a bunch of guys on the team this year who they're going to have to see who their um, their starting pitcher is uh, is this year. And we we've already talked to Ryan um, to Calvin Rayburn. I almost said Ryan Rayburn. That would be yeah, a well, sweet signing for the well, champions. <laughs> he did bombs. Uh, but uh, um, I'll uh, bring in Calvin Rayburn, who it looks like Calvin Rayburn's going to be um, a, a nice righty arm for Halloneer uh, out of the bullpen. But you know what? Uh, let's, let's not a lot through. of lefties though. Let's go through. Uh, the champions roster right now and try and figure out who um, who are going to be some of the champions um, uh, champions players some of the champions starters well, this year did you, so let's go in right into the starting pitching and we, maybe we the know we know almost beyond a shadow of a doubt that Wilmer Font and Leighton Galbraith will be two starting pitchers for this and team. we also know for a fact that Mr. Austin Crisman will be a starting pitcher because he's never been in the bullpen in the minor leagues yeah I, I would he think played so. double a right I would think so I think he's uh, and and he was a big inning eater in double a ball so um especially losing Andrew Werner Andrew Werner champion starter uh, um uh, retired still on their roster so maybe they still are looking at him, but he he retired. He's actually coaching college baseball right good now. Good for him, man. Um, really good for him. Yeah. Uh, but um, but he ate up so many innings, led the Can Am League in innings pitched last year, and so they need a guy to eat up a, a few they more. They got innings. some big ones. I think that's going to be Austin Crimson. At a, uh, I think he's definitely going to be a starter Hamrick. on this team. And and so then the the fourth and fifth spots. It'll be interesting to see. Who it's going to be Randy these. Hamrick. Uh, Lanier said a couple weeks ago that Randy Hamrick is going to be in that starting rotation. You you, you but. Uh, but again, there's a lot of guys they're going to look at, and they're taking and more guys. Gil. Well, they're taking more guys than they should to camp. He said in our inter- interview last week, he's going to look at young Carlos Gill. He's going to look at um, uh, Luis Para as well for maybe one of those starting spots. And I think having one of those guys in the starting rotation is going to be very important, just so you can have 
a lefty starter. I think you really, yeah, exactly. Have a lefty starter, but you also, it's good that he signed two lefties because you need to either have Para or Gill in the bullpen to add that lefty specialist. And they're almost like the same pitcher. They're they, six foot two. They're the same age as well. They have announced, though, they do have returning um, uh, from last year, Josh Blanco, who okay. was that lefty specialist last year, and I think he's going to do uh, another good job at that again this the year. The more lefties, the better, as far as I'm concerned, in this absolutely. league, because there's not that many lefty bats. No, absolutely not that many lefties or or switch bats. So it's it's nice to have those guys. Uh, Josh Blanco was almost a setup man for this team last year, so I think he'll do that job. But you're right. I, I hope to see Gil or Para in the bullpen as well, just to give them a few more options. Uh, we talked to um, uh, Andrew Cooper, some Canadian content. Content. He'll be in the bullpen, I would think, for this Ottawa Champions He'll be a team. middle reliever, I think. Uh, absolutely. He has um, a good sinker baller. He throws a sinker and a slider. Uh, we mentioned Calvin Rayburn as well. He'll probably be out of the pen. Andrew Wirth, who the champions will be bringing to camp, he'll probably be out of the pen as well. But again, Hal really likes to look at guys for starting spots, and the champions were notorious last year for changing relievers into starters. They did that with both Wilmer Font and Leighton Galbraith, so wouldn't be surprised if any of these guys really impress Hal Lanier and Billy Horn if maybe they get pushed into some starting roles. But we'll certainly see. Absolutely, and it's going to be really exciting to see what uh, what Mister uh, what's his name again uh, what what Rayburn does because yeah. he, he's got a live fastball. He said he throws around 94, 95 miles an hour, and it's going to be nice to see that sinker too. So he he should he could be good. Him he might com- be able to compete with um uh, with Tyler Wilson for maybe the biggest arm out of the pen for the Ottawa Champions. Yeah, Wilson's uh, six foot six, right? And, and both those super tall pitchers able to get a ton of power, and and so it'll be nice to have those guys out of the bullpen. I mean, it, this is a major league baseball example, but they had so much success with those hard throwing relievers, and if you can do that, really not give the opposing team a chance to catch up, even in the later innings when you're bringing in your relievers. I think that's really well. Important. Here's a great sign: is that the I talked to the champions the other day, and they have a radar gun now, so uh, we'll be able to, to that's tell. That's going to be exactly. really fun. That's going to be awesome. And so now we're going to go over to the lineup. Starting catcher, uh, it's going to go right down to the wire between Brian Erie and Danny Grauer. We, we we both know that, and and one of them could easily win the job. It doesn't really matter as far as I'm concerned. And honestly, they both bring different things to the game. Erie, uh, like we've talked about with Hal, maybe a, a little better eye at the plate. Um, and Grower more pop. Yeah. And, and Grower more pop. Exactly. And so it's going to give Hal different examples, especially on the road when you're in a place like Rockland. Might be nice to have Danny Grower in there with that short right porch. But um, a guy like Brian Erie, if you're bringing in a new pitcher or, or someone that you're you're not expecting, he's going to have a, be a great guy in the lineup for his um, uh, his experience. So I think they're going to platoon those two guys at catchers, and I think their catcher position is looking really good this year. Now we're going to get to the biggest debate. We're going to go to the infield and outfield. The outfield is set. So Sebastian Boucher is going to be in center field. Matt Helms and Brian Van Kirk. Van Kirk will be in left, and it's going to be Helms in right because Helms is an excellent defender and a good arm. Whereas I talked to... Um, Craig from the champions and he said that Van Kirk is not really known for his defense as much and he said that he'll probably play left field we don't know that for sure but that will that that could be that case and he says that Helms can play left field when I mean sorry center field when Boucher needs a break well and remember everyone these lineups are are totally us just guessing right now because yeah. the champions roster has a lot of turnover to do before the um, before the season starts so they they, they well, I'm gonna probably, defend my boy they will probably bring in another outfielder as well I would think just to uh, 
especially especially with Brian Van Kirk. Um, uh, Brian Van Kirk has never played independent ball before. So sometimes it's hard for those guys to make that transition, and, and uh, maybe he's not even on the roster well, at the beginning of the year. Well, so uh, I, I think they do need a, a guy who can play all four outfield positions, especially with um, Sebastian Boucher. He's and and it's nothing against Sebastian Boucher. He's a guy who's getting older. He's going to need it a might break. be exactly. It might be nice for him to keep fresh legs, especially playing center field and batting third every day like he did last year. I think that that was tough on him. And well, so, that's why you get a guy like Johnny Cole. Come on. He's number 98. Well, and let's, uh, let's, let's nice talk number. about the infield. Let's talk about the infield. Uh, um, because I think I think shortstop and second base are pretty much wrapped up. Daniel Beck and Albert Cartwright were so good there last year. Um, I think at, at the end of last year, uh, I think they'll probably return. Although we'll, we'll have to see if Roberto Ramirez, the Cuban shortstop, uh, Cuban second baseman returned. Yeah. Um, he was Garza. wonderful and maybe the most consistent player for the champions all of last season. Uh, uh, batted extremely well, even provided a bit of pop, even though he's, uh, you know, he's listed at 5'8 on the does champion he, site. But I think that's generous. That is. Does he, does he, is he going to be playing for the Cuban team that comes to play for Ottawa? I don't believe so, no. I, I don't think he's, uh, I, I think that Cuban team is made up of some of the best players in Cuba. Not to say Roberto Ramirez isn't, but he defected a few years ago. And so I, I don't think he's, uh, he's really part of that, uh, that conversation. For sure. And then now we, we look at the infield. So it's, going to be for sure Daniel Bick's going to play shortstop he's one of the well no he is the best def- defending shortstop in the league and hit pretty well in the second half of the season yeah. Kenny Bryant's going to be at first base he's got loads of pop he's yeah. a left-handed bat they Ch- need that Champions made a big trade for him trading Drew Sisko and um, uh, I, can't, I can't remember the to the, the Sussex yeah to Sussex County Miners I can't remember the second player who's involved in that trade so, but it was a big trade for the champions oh uh, Nick Jaraputo I think I, I think this is what they do they put Garza maybe at third base yeah, and and then they use Johnny Cole off the bench for an outfield spot in left field and to play first base to give Kenny Bride a break and maybe Ramirez makes that team. Do you, what do you think? I I think that's that's probably because Johnny's a happen. switch hitter, mm-hmm. and and it would be unbelievable for the champions to have the switch hitter on the bench. Like I said, it'll be interesting to see if switch hitter Roberto Ramirez comes back as well. But um, I mean, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see what happens with uh, with the infield. I think they're probably still looking to sign one more player. Um, um, so we'll see what happens. Absolutely. And with that, we are going to wrap this show up. Corey, it was awesome to have you on. And and it was loads of fun having tons of guests on and, and to kind of go through the whole Champions lineup. It was a real pleasure. Yeah, things are definitely taking shape, aren't they, Dante? And, uh, oh, yeah. And I think I'm getting uh, pretty excited for this season. Well, and... and- if you want to check out our episodes, you can go check us out on SoundCloud. We're at, about a month away, Dante. Yeah, we're, we're we're a month away from the season, and our SoundCloud is Diamond Dante Audio. You can check out all of our episodes, including exclusive interviews with uh, Arden Zwelling from Sportsman.ca, one of our bigger guests. We also had um, Mr. Sebastian Boucher on in our first edition. Lanier's on all the time, and also Mr. Trevor Gretzky came on last week. You can go check that one out. It, it's been awesome. You can follow me on Twitter at Diamond underscore Dante and at Corey, Mr. At Inside Man. Or former for, Inside Man. Former Inside no, Man. I used to be on the inside. Now, uh, now you're not. So former Inside Man, and it was a real pleasure, and you're listening to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. Tune in to Around the Diamond next Saturday for an intense look on your Ottawa champions and everything baseball.